Welcome to Grasp at the Root. As always, we're here to grasp at the heart of issues from more current ones to harder to understand ones. And it might sound a little bit radical, but as Andrew Davis said, it's all about grasping at the root of things. Today, it's going to be a bit of a smaller, smaller team. So it's myself and Ari's here as well. So give them a quick Hi. Update. Hello. Um, because of that, I thought this week we're going to do something maybe a little bit lighter than usual. Um, we're going to be talking about movies, and I'm a terrible movie nerd, so this is going to be one of those things where I'm going to make sure that Ari speaks a little bit more than I do, <laughs> because I would just go on and on forever for it. But I know you said you was going to look up some movies, Ari, last I had where, would you? Yeah. Um, what you end up watching? Well, I ended up watching some uh, trans shorts on YouTube, actually, because I thought I've gone through all of the Netflix LGBT um, thing. And frankly, I was a, a little bit disturbed. And uh, it, it was generally just a bit like I felt like we were either evil antagonists or dead protagonists <clears throat> on a lot of the fuck stuff I found on uh, Netflix. Okay. Uh, so I started looking at youtube trans shorts because i thought made by trans people there must be a few in here that are quite good but just haven't got the um acknowledgement because of being smaller and i did actually find there's five i've watched just this morning which were quite good one was hilarious right but i think that's what i'm gonna do for a while to be honest i'm just gonna start exploring trans shorts on youtube i think there's some hidden gems and some very weird stuff to be honest okay don't worry i'm taking a note of this because i'm guessing It'll be good to put in the show notes as well. Um, so what was which one was your favourite? The one that was like, oh, this is actually really cool. I think Masked was the one that I watched that was like, ooh, the feels the feels in that were just I don't know, I think the acting really conveyed it. They they were just very on point. There were a lot of small things that you recognised and really felt with the protagonist watching that, and it had a feel-good ending. I have actually got a playlist of the ones I watched, and I could send you a link for that. Okay, that's cool. That's probably a really cool idea for everybody who wants to have a look at that list. But yeah, that's cool. So what was... Just give us a brief synopsis about about what Masked is about. Well, Masked sort of followed the life of um, somebody who you, you meet as Zoe, but they've got short hair and uh, you get the idea that they know about the sort of trans community, but their parents, the mother tries to be accepting, but uh, doesn't sort of understand or get things. The father says some pretty out there uh, sort of of his time things, but doesn't mean badly by it. it's all a bit uncomfortable. And um, <clears throat> it leads you through sort of a birthday party where obviously uh, Zoe gets lots of gifts that are effeminate and it takes her, turn for the worse in their mental health so I would put a small trigger warning to watching this for suggestions okay. and mentions of <clears throat> you know the horrifying reality of the ways this can make us feel but then it, it ends with them sort of coming out to their friend their friend supporting them they've got them a masculine gift and it's just really it's got a nice believable realistic flow to it that you just I just watched it and was like I know these emotions I am re-feeling these emotions and I did almost cry a little bit at the end. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. But also, yeah, there's always a... It's interesting how that how movie makers show the elements of trauma for trans people. And yeah. Obviously, you know, if you're some people not aware of it, there is a whole trope of generally queer people or even trans people being 
either the villain of the piece or they end up being killed in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So the kill your gays, I believe is a term, is a trope <laughs> they use. It's literally, a, it's a trope, kill your gays. So anybody who happens to be gay and happens to be good, happens to be a, a really interesting person, oh, we usually just kill them off. Yeah, or or there's that other thing where it's like the fact that you're trans or gay is the entire point of the film. It's There's there's nothing of you outside of that identity. I've seen that yeah. trope a lot, and that's equally terrible. What about that's... you? What's your favourite sort of trans film? Ooh, well, I wouldn't say trans film. I really enjoyed Euphoria when it came out, and I'm constantly watching for when season two is going to be recorded, because... The way it was presented of this relationship between a cis woman and a trans woman, it's presented in a way which is like, yeah, they happen to be trans. Rather oh, than, that's nice. Rather than, rather than, oh my god, they're trans. Uh, there's an element of it there, but it isn't always had to be, isn't had to be rolled out and explained all the time. Yeah, it's that's just, nice. It's just, it's just, it's there, but it's not overly explained all the time. And I, I haven't watched that yet, so I've written that down as a note for myself to look at. Yeah, I, that. the yeah. last time I watched that, I think that was an iPlayer, but I don't know if it's still there, because obviously at the moment everything's slowly starting up again in terms of filming stuff, because everyone's yeah. got their own bubbles and stuff. But yeah, Euphoria was one of my favourite ones, because one... The protagonist isn't shiny and new and perfect because um can't remember the, name of the protagonist played by Zendaya, but um she has a big drug problem. But yeah. throughout the series you're shown how she ended up with this this big drug problem and how that entails and how it's not as simple as others oh, get into drugs. There's often a more nuanced reason why they actually end up being a user per se. So I really that's, enjoyed that. So I really enjoyed that show. That's really interesting that they sort of uh, that they go to the you know the heart of what can cause addiction, which is uh, a lot of the time really just trauma going through trauma, and there is certainly a lot of trauma to be had growing up trans to be honest so it is it's really nice that they covered it and didn't just throw it in there as an aside or like something that could be blamed or like victim blamed on the character but instead gave it reason and showed how these things develop i really like the sound of that yeah it was interesting because the one thing i know about drugs is i don't know i know it's a slight slight digression but one thing i realized about drugs is People don't take drugs because they take drugs. People take drugs usually because either it's a health problem or a trauma problem. Yeah. It's usually yeah, one, of those so. two, one of those two things. It's a health problem or a trauma problem rather than, oh, they're a horrible person because they take drugs. It's like, no, health problems. And I know loads of people who are like, who have chronic illness. Yeah. So it might yeah. be that. Or it might be a trauma problem where they have problems with PTSD, problems with anxiety, which, as queer people in general, I know a lot of people who have either PTSD or anxiety or some sort of 
mental yeah. illness. So it doesn't surprise me that much. But yeah. Yeah, it's really, um, it, I think it's a really interesting thing that isn't really explored enough. Um, but I definitely think a lot of it is physical health, as you say, or mental health. You know, they did an experiment on um, rats, uh, not a, well, I guess it was a horrifying experiment at first, but yeah. it was, I think it's called the Rat Park Experiment, where basically... Oh, yes. Yeah, so the, um, just to summarise, you know, the guy put, I think it was LSD, he put some form of uh, drug into the water bottle in a sort of barren cage where there were no other rats, and the rats would all drink it until they killed themselves, basically. They wouldn't eat or do anything, they'd just sit and take drugs. But when he put a water bottle and a drug-filled water bottle into this elaborate cage with other rats, with playthings, you know, with more space, with more enrichment. Uh, they would occasionally take from the drug bottle, but really not that much, and they thrived quite well. So really, it shows a problem with the environment that we're living in and a, a lack of support systems available and a lack of connection, I think, when people mm. are forced to use drugs to basically dissociate on your terms, because that's, mm. you know, basically what you're doing, I think, I feel personally yeah it's one of the things i've noticed people need it to escape and disappear to somewhere else rather in the same way i disappear to movies um to get away yeah. from things but gosh i'm trying to think i watched another movie literally it's one of the because one finding is with netflix there seems there seems to be a limit of how good their movies are until they start losing focus is some yeah let's see the one i watched last night project power it's always just before the two hour mark after the two hour mark it starts to struggle yeah it's like the difference between going to a cinema and seeing like a it's, have when was the last time you watched a movie in a cinema that wasn't at least two hours long? I'm just trying to remember that myself. Oh god, I have no idea. I swear, and also, like, I swear, just because I'm in this dramatic place with loud sound and public, time moves slower anyway. And I have problems with time from being ADHD anyway. So uh -huh. they all feel, frankly, like they're over three hours to me when I watch them in the cinema, whether or not they are. <laughs> it's always something I've noticed. In as one, I got into movies really young. I remember when they, the centenary for cinema happened and it was like cinemas for that year were like for ch children are like two, three quid. So we're talking way back when tickets were actually like reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I would always go on my own because I just wanted to see something different. But they have slowly but surely got longer, or those viewing times have got longer, so they're always about... It seems to me kids' movies have found a sweet spot of an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, that's a reasonable amount of time to sit still and watch something for. And then you've got anything heading towards... Uh, if, the, if we have US viewers, we have a slightly different um, uh, classification here. We have use which is usually for everybody pg which usually means you have one swear word you want one one f word <laughs> i think or maybe not i think it's and then you got 12 12 a which is i think you're allowed one f word then you got 15 which is usually anything except sexual explicit stuff and then you got 18 which is usually 
things have changed massively in the classification system, but that's by the by. Yeah. Um, anything that's 12, 15, or 18 now pushes towards two, two and a half hours. That's very weird and interesting, and especially because I find that uh, our society is moving towards having less of an attention span with the... Uh, like, I swear when I first started watching youtube videos when it, it was first around like i swear i watched longer segments and you i would sit there for longer watching like 10 minute things each and now i realize that i tend to watch things between like five and seven minutes and a lot of stuff is very instant access in our society right now so i find it strange that they've increased the length of movies when everything else seems or feels to me to be decreasing in terms of our attention span maybe it's value for money i guess especially uh, if yes. you're paying more because just trying to remember in Birmingham, we have, in the centre of Birmingham, we have three cinemas, no, four, excuse me. We have Odeon on New Street. We have Every Man in the Mailbox. We have Cineworld on Broad Street. And we have another Odeon over by Broadway Plaza. Odeon New Street's the cheapest one you can get at the moment. Every time I've been there over the past year, it's been five quid for everything. Oh, that's, that's not bad. It's not bad, but it's it's not... still horrible from what it used to be. Yeah, but it's not but it's not the greatest of the cinemas, it's not the nicest one. Um every man, different experience, very much the kind of upper level of cinema because you go in there, you can grab a drink, they have a full bar, they have food service, and when you go in, all the seats are dumped are two person sofas. So that's a bit more. That sounds much nicer. That is nice, though. Um, then you've got Cineworld, which is a bit less. They're around £10 or so. But we're talking, there's an IMAX screen in there. Uh, there's a 4DX screen in there, which is fun, as long as you don't mind being thrown around in the <laughs> and has a very <laughs> different, different effects, like, like steam and water and all sorts of different scents and stuff. It's Interesting. I've tried it a couple, couple of times, so it's fine. I might have um, to try that. It does sound interesting. It's fun, if, especially if it, if it's a, if there's a lot of action going on on screen. Um, and then you've got Ogin, the Lux Ogin, which is basically big old reclining seats, and I think they're around. That one's about ten pounds a head, which Oof. I was really surprised. Which I was really surprised. I thought it was going to be a lot more, but it's around ten. Yeah, me too. Tenner. It's around a tenner, and obviously they've got a. They don't have an IMAX screen, but they have an iSense screen, so it's still a big old screen. And um, yeah, so we've got all these different experiences all inside there. And yeah, it's interesting, especially with. Did you hear about the whole thing with uh, Mulan? I heard loosely of it, but from under my rock, I didn't learn of it in detail. No. Basically, what's happened is, I think in places like the UK, where we have cinemas which are open, um, it's going to be released that way. But if you don't have that option, you can watch it on um, Disney Plus for like a third, on top of your usual subscription, you pay like 30 quid. Oh. Which for me, Considering it's going to be a UPG kind of movie, mm. and it's the kind of thing you'd have you bring your kids around to see. I understand why they price that. 
because what what will mean is you can. My guess is you're going to get families together to watch it together. Because considering how much a ticket for a, a cinema is now, that's the kind of thing you'd get your whole family in for thirty quid, yeah, or probably even more. So it makes sense, but also. We're in this weird spot of everyone's now experimenting, especially because the US in COVID mode is a mess. Yes. <laughs> at, the mo- at, at the moment. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's really interesting seeing movies that are usually in the cinema being released digitally and some of the and cinema industry not liking that, but some people are like you know what, it's an exception, so we have to get used to it. Yeah. But I like cinema. I'm a big fan of sticking myself in a dark room with a big-ass screen and escaping for like a couple of hours. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about it, isn't it? That's why it's so appealing. It's the immersion, you know, the yeah. ability to put yourself into this other entirely different life for a moment and see these other experiences that were just, are just novel to us, I guess. I do love that. I suppose it is a form of escapism, but I think a, a normal, like, I think there is a healthy level of escapism in the society we live in, to be honest. Yeah. You need a break from it for a little while, and that's a yeah, lovely communal a, way to get one, really. Yeah, it's just, I'm all, it's, but I also understand how people can be, don't have the, have the, um, the patience with it as they used to. Like, I'm trying to remember that I'm losing count of the times I've been in a bar and someone switched on their phone. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, God, I've never seen that. That that would horrify me. I, I'm not going to judge anyone if it's not damaging no. somebody else's experience, but it weirds me out because I've never I've never even thought about doing It's that. like, I don't know. It's, for me, especially when the ticket's like a good tenner, 10 quid or something. Yeah. It's, it's strange to it's, sort of waste your own money. <laughs> to kind of... Oh, maybe it's because I do go to the New Street one and the New Street one, because it's five it's five quid ahead, all sorts of people just come in. Mm, perhaps. Uh, but, and if I pay a bit more, I guess that will happen less. But I still, even at that higher price, price point, I've had people just randomly come into the cinema and start talking. That's that's so strange to me. I do get a little leg twitchy because obviously I have ADHD, so sitting still for long amounts of time. If I'm very engrossed in something, I can sit for hours and not even notice that my leg's gone dead or something. But if I can't get it to get my interest, then it is very hard to sit still. So I do end up sort of tapping my foot uh, sometimes in movies, but I tend to do it in a quiet way that only affects myself. So I sort of understand that. that um, There's a... There's a big difference between that and literally people talking. Yes, loud, there is a loud. huge difference between that. No, I would not be doing anything that hindered somebody else's experience. I'd yeah, just I've... be tapping my leg violently or something. There's a big difference between that and something else. But um, I remember this one experience where I was watching it and literally everybody around them was hearing these two guys talk and they wouldn't shut up. And then people were telling them to shut up because they're watching a movie. And they wouldn't shut up. I was like, you know what? I just had enough, and I just literally got up. I was like, okay, let me go to the usher. And because of that, they saw me going to see somebody. They left. <laughs> they left. And then they had the nerve to say, why are you trying to spoil our medium? 
you're the one that's opening your mouth. That's a really weird ending line. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very very weird. Like I've said, I probably will say several times, when you're paying ten quid to go see a movie, when you could be at home watching something on Netflix or wherever. Yeah, you don't want your ex- your experience spoiled. <laughs> No, it's just so rude for everyone else who has paid that money to just be talking in the middle of the yeah. film. Like, it's... oh, I just uh, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, it's just yeah, it's just one of those things that annoys me. Yeah, I think I think the but the the most enjoyable experience of movies was probably Endgame because oh, even Endgame was good. It's not just it was good; it was like. It had an atmosphere. It was once we yeah. did finally get to the big ending, everybody was kind. Of, it was like a whole. It was like a. It was almost like a, a, a going to a, going to a a gig experience, and everyone yeah, started was, cheering at certain parts, and people were going <laughs> at certain parts. And trust me, there was a lot of grown men crying when um, a certain person. Yeah, I passed, love that. Passed away. I can't believe I'm not saying who it is, but it's been how long has it been? Has it been a couple of years since it's been out? It's got to. It's got to be. Yeah. So yeah, I think I've got. I can say without people getting pissed off. Tony Stark dies at the end. And yeah, that that killed me. I I I legitimately nearly cried. I do not cry yeah. in movies, but that one. Yeah. That made me cry because it's a whole experience, and I've watched all the movies and. It was just like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I it know was, what you mean. It was just. It was emotional for me, and even if you're not a, my guess is some people were in there for the first time, and some people have watched all of them, and it was just a really emotional moment. Yeah, and I love that 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 sort of a shared experience and the whole vibe of it of just being like a communal experience where everyone has had it built up for so long and you know gotten to know the characters and it's just been this this world basically that people yeah. have been enveloped in and now they're sat there together in the climax of the sort of storyline for it I think that's a beautiful thing just the ability to come together and all exist in a different life and world for a moment to view it mm. it's I'm trying to, because I'm going through all the different movies I've watched and I've enjoyed. Uh, the only other movie I think I got really emotional at was Toy Story. That was the one that made me go, oh, the, the character's all gone. Andy's grown up. Oh. <laughs> that one was a bit like, that one was horrible for making me look at my, my toys and realise my age and my own mortality. So that one made me sad for that. But... Yeah. I still haven't seen Toy Story 4 yet, though. Apparently it's really good, but I need to go see it. <laughs> I think I did see it, but it was so long ago that I couldn't, I couldn't even remember but, what yeah, I did it, on it. I'll have to yeah, I'll I was check gonna, it out. I was going to say, one of the other ones I watched, I mean, I watched a few earlier today. It's a weird mix um, with the trans shorts that I've been watching, because I think there's some really beautiful moments and some really feel-good moments. But, but there's some... There's some weird stuff. Like there was one called "Get Off My Turf," spelt T U R F. Yeah, 
And it was what... very, it was strange. It was strange. It was, um, this trans woman notices that her neighbour is a turf and they are supposedly friends, but then they fall out. And then it's just a few scenes of this elderly turf lady stalking this trans woman and like peeping over fences in this nefarious manner. It's quite funny, actually, but it does end up feel good. And she sort of helps her out when she, to be honest, I would trigger warn uh, almost all of these for one way, shape or form. Like there's some scene in most of the things I watch that could could be triggering yeah so i, I would think, say watch with caution any of these yeah i'll make sure i put that on the on the, in the show notes yeah but yeah it's it's interesting in terms of the whole turf thing or some people call it gender critical thing mm. and for me it's um it's a puzzle because in some ways they're using exactly the same time that if you even heard of her, Mary Whitehouse used back mm. in the 80s to say gay people are yeah. monsters or something like that, or they're trying to harm children and it's not really like that at all. Yes. Now, um, and also how they say what, what they're doing is backed by science. Yeah, and... that's the weird one to me. That's the one that makes me scratch my head. It's because yeah. I, all, like I said, all it does it reminds me literally of the eighties Mary Whitehouse, basically saying well, that we're yeah. I think it is, it is very similar to that. What gets me is the weird sort of circular uh, lack of logic because I've had conversations with people who uh, call themselves gender critical and when you know when they say it's backed by science I can I can say can you show me where um, and I can send you these uh, resources these studies to back up what I'm saying and obviously this is a delicate conversation to have with anyone it's never going to be you know it's always a bit of an emotive time so it's always difficult Mm -hmm. but whenever I do send um, sources and obviously I always make sure that their sort of study is peer-reviewed you know you know concrete as science can be but they always say that at that point science has been wrong before so they say their views are supported by science but when i show them they're not it's just that science is wrong and i don't understand mm-hmm. how to uncircular that that logic with a sort of diplomatic conversation it's it's it puzzles me it's it's what's the word there's a word for it there's a bias Oh, self-confirmation bias. Oh, self-confirming bias. Confirmation bias. Yeah. As long as it confirms what's in your head, it's fine. Rather than, hey, the world is changing, and then it generates a response of, I don't know, I'm going to stick to my guns until. I suppose it's a fear response, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's. I know that immediately. That it's a fear response about the world around them is changing quite quite a bit I only just found out this the other day like do you know the word apocalypse yeah it's actually got nothing to do with the end of the world it's to do with I believe the word actually means it's the unveiling of something oh it's the revelation of something oh and it's so when I realised when I was and I went away and looked at it and looked at the antonyms I was like oh so this essentially is like 
apocalypse is essentially a word for like a massive cultural pivot or unveiling that makes it yeah that sounds a lot more positive than the sort of you know hellfire and scorn that i've been led to associate with the word i mean you say apocalypse you think zombies but i wonder why it's always displayed as such a negative thing then because it sounds to me as if there's nothing inherently negative other than that, I guess new things have always and always will be scary to us as a species. I suppose that is kind of in there to keep us alive. You'd think we'd want to compensate for it a bit by now. And be aware that that bias is there that makes us think new things are scary and perhaps, you know, try and train ourselves to not be so frightened. But it seems like an everlasting problem. It's because at some point in some sort of culture, though, we're talking about the apocalypse or the end of the world or something like that. And because that conjures up certain images and then it filters its way through culture mm. and then it ends up in pieces of art and then it gets misinterpreted in other ways, shapes, in other ways, shapes or forms. It tends to give us this kind of biblical view of the end of the world, even though... Mm. And yes, we're going in all sorts of different directions, but I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> it. It gives us this view of the end of the world and Book of Revelation and things like that. When I think my favorite thing, because disclosure, I used to be a Christian. When I started reading up and actually looking at the meaning behind all these words and all the books and stuff, and when I found out essentially that the book of Revelation was not about the end times, but it was actually about a specific period of time where all these things actually happened, but there weren't actually things that happened in a literal sense, but there were, because the end of the world was actually about the end of the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I was raised Christian for... um. I don't know how many years, but when I was young, we used to go to church and um, things. We actually just stopped because it sort of, I don't know, the vibe of it uh, It felt a little weird sometimes. But uh, they were lovely people and it was lovely just to gather. But I was never that certain of what it was all about growing up, I remember. So I haven't actually read that much of the Bible. I've read bits of it here and there, and uh, but never that. So that's interesting to know. Yeah. And um, yeah. It's when I literally read a book and I realised there was nothing to do with the end times or the end of the world or even the thing called the rapture. Uh, when it's about an uncovering, to me, that means that this is something that's going to happen time and time again. It's going to be a time where information is going to explode and everybody's going to know about it. And yeah, there's that's... A and a massive uncovering like we're kind of in now <laughs> yeah i think so i think so and um perhaps it, it is just a sort of general guidebook of uh, the history of human behavior and how it is likely to repeat to be honest because that i'm afraid we do work in in cycles humans do work in cycles so but yeah it's an uncovering and I can't really find anything other than COVID happening, everyone going into their homes, being stuck at <laughs> home for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden people realising that, hey, people 
black people are getting killed in the streets. Yeah. And not many people knowing about that until they sit down and they've got no choice but to sit down <laughs> in their homes. And then learn do a lot more than just that and start learning yeah. because they got no choice. They can't go out and go to the pub. People are starting to question minimum wage and uh, homelessness as well. And, you know, there's uh, been a lot of support for a lot of uh, people are seeing a lot of errors in society that obviously uh -huh. I think the disillusioned and the disenfranchised have always been aware of. But I think now uh -huh. it's spanning out across the masses, as you say, because people have no choice but to sit and listen and watch. I think it has been very, uh, very, uh, what's the word? It's a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. actually this lockdown even I, I mean i i thought i kept up to date with how uh you know the ways of the world treated every minority group i thought i knew how bad racism was as a general idea i didn't ever think i knew because i couldn't experience it but i thought i had mm -hmm. a general idea and since lockdown and and since the movement and everything i've learned that i am clueless absolutely clueless even as bad as i thought it was it's so much worse and i've been mm -hmm. learning so much more because of it and been a lot more proactive going to a lot more events and, you know, working out what I can do about it. And it is essentially just because lockdown it blew it up into everyone's newsfeed. And I think that's a fantastic, fantastic thing. So it's, it's always, for me, it's really interesting as someone who saw that happen, as someone who works in that line of coaching people and helping people through various different points in their lives, how there's been a wave of people realizing that hey, this is not good and we need to do something about it. Hey, homelessness is bad, we need to do something about it. Mm. And people just basically realising a lot of bad things and need to do something about it. And how now that we're not as stuck at home as we usually are, how that wave is kind of slowly waning. Yeah, I've noticed is, that. Which is kind of sad, but it's also not, not a surprise either. Yeah, it is It is very sad um, for any of these movements to lose the momentum. I do think that some uh, groups and some sections of people have, are keeping up the momentum, and that's brilliant. But to get it to stay as it is within mainstream society, I'm, <laughs> maybe we'll have a second lockdown. Who knows? Maybe that'll be the second explosion of all these movements. At the moment, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, because... How would I say this about sounding like a first-class, first-rate snitch? A lot of people are kind of flat in the walls. There's a lot of raves out there, apparently. Yeah. Apparently. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a second one happening at some point. My guess, September time, there'll be another one. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know yet. We might, we might make it through and we might be fine. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that I've been watching a lot of movies and thinking about all these various different themes. Like, all the science-y stuff is what makes me laugh even more because half the stuff that's in movies is either it's close to what we got now or it's not as far away as you think. Yes, yeah, like, I'm finding that. My favourite one probably being that Minority Report. That kind of system of... Because were you aware of what happened in Portland? Um, no. And there was a whole bunch of people getting 
pre-arrested before the what? before anything actually happened. It's probably, that can't be legal. No, it isn't legal. But um, and the problem was as well is it wasn't just a regular cop car. It was big old ATVs and people dressed up in militarized outfits and they were just straight up snatched off the streets and that's terrifying no Miranda rights and just being held in various different places for prolonged periods of time um that's really scary luckily fortunately they've stopped that happening because enough people came out to protest that they can't actually carry on with that type of behavior that's brilliant and that's great, but obviously we're also in an election year, so yeah, it's going to be something where let's just say for any of our US, US listeners, we are watching very carefully in terms of what's going to happen next, not just for who's going in, but what's going to happen next after. It's either going to be we get a, a, moder- a very moderate pair of, of the Democrats or the right's going to come back ridiculously hard for a second term. Yeah. And then we'll have no... Tr- then we'll get rid of Trump because it's a two-term limit. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens. But I'm, idea- I am very worried about um, all of our uh, friends and sort of siblings in america right now the oh, uk is not good our, our government yeah. is entirely incompetent but i think america yeah. is much scarier looking right now yeah. although the uk is not innocent <laughs> no I'm, I'm 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 definitely one of those that says the uk it's because what's the word we don't have truly what the us has in the word in, in claims of free speech hmm in some in in at least it's enshrined in their constitution that you have, that they have free speech. Well, here they don't because there's all sorts of the secrets acts and all mm-hmm. sorts of weird things. So things can change really quick. But also in the, also in the states, at least you've got state laws and then you've got federal. You've got all these layers of a cake. You can yeah. make your way through before things happen. But I'm concerned, but it's looking like, and this is me with my fingers crossed, my toes crossed, everything crossed. It looks like Trump is realizing his time's up real fast. I really, really, really hope so. Yeah, because really I, so. I think my favorite thing I've, saw over, I've seen over Twitter was literally a, a, a reporter saying, do you think it's a right to lie as much as you have about everything? Ooh. And, and something to that effect, I can't read the exact word, wording, but essentially he asked that question and then he just went to the next question. But his facial expression was pretty crestfallen. I that's think good. He, that's very, th- that's promising. It, to me, it sounds like, I think he just had enough. And I, I really think, hope so. I'm, part of me is hoping that because obviously we're about to head to the 
November stretch of it's looking like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to be sworn in as as the actual running for president for the presidency mm-hmm. and VP presidency, and then it's going to be Trump for the next three months talking crap as always. Yeah, what concerns me is how many people um may still support his ideologies. I don't know how what the stats are and how many people that support him just uh, basically due to racism and fear. I can't see any other motivating factors. But I, what concerns me is the numbers. Um, <clears throat> like even if he, if if he loses and we get somebody and they get somebody better in. I'm worried for how people that support Trump's ideologies will react to this change of leadership, and uh, I I wish it would just go smoothly and um, you know have everything made a little better. But the the society does concern me, and in our country as well, we certainly have backlash of anything. Anytime there are, I mean, even when the statues came down, you know, there were what do they call themselves counter protesters? Yeah, there was a bunch of counter protests. Even though the counter protesters didn't get what they want because yes that's from true my, from my memory what happened was the people in in um blm found out about it and was like okay we are bugging out we're not going to get involved yeah and literally they a lot of right-wing people were just getting into into trouble with the police which... that was quite a good reaction to be honest just um you know cut them off don't engage that's because yeah. there's nothing to counter protest against if if yeah. you just stop. So that that was a, a great tactic, really. But the fun thing, it's always fun because I've been the one thing I'm glad about this lockdown is I've learned a lot and I'm reading a heck of a lot more about yeah. all these various different media phenomena about the reason the reason why um, Hurricane Katrina happened like the way it did was because it was in a period of time where you had 24-hour news, but you didn't have Twitter. And because you had 24-hour news, but you didn't have Twitter, the media made up all these stories because they only had and they had nothing to work with, even in 24-hour. So they was making up stuff left, right, and center. Compared to now, like... You have things like Twitter and you have people around who are able to get word out and say, hey, this is what I've seen. Hey, this is what's happening here. Take a picture, take a video, and so on and so forth. Yeah, there is so much power, to be honest, to Twitter and to the connectivity that it gives us as a society across borders, even it's. But well, now, especially now, it's quite powerful. That's why you don't have Twitter in, in China. Oh God, that's Twitter. terrifying as well. If, if I rely Twitter. on Twitter quite a lot for. Well, I, I. Once again, I remember when Twitter first started because I remember getting an account, and Twitter being this. This was before smartphones really became smartphones per se, so it wasn't. It was like they were. Ju- I think it was. When did I start Twitter? I'm trying to remember because there's literally. I never used it in the uh, first bit. Yeah, it was 2009 it it started up, so 
I remember when it was really bitty and and you can obviously it was only 140 characters. Now it's 260. Mm. Now you can and now you can actually send photos. And at some points they'll do voice voice notes. Um, that so, would be useful. Which, to be honest, I never used Twitter, but then I got a bit political in my teens and um, started wanting to know what the world was up to. So I, Twitter was good for the perspective of those who are experiencing things and not from a mainstream media outlet perspective. And then I could always cross-reference that information once I knew it was happening and just Google and see what was going on. But just for updates of like, hey, this is happening, I rely on Twitter quite a bit. And, you know, um, yeah. I was just thinking about the way the media lies and just throws in lies everywhere. There's something that the comedian formerly known, known as Joe Lycett, now Hugo Boss, did that I thought was, <laughs> was actually quite a good uh, strategy. He started sending in fake stories to media outlets and getting them to report on them. Uh, I think he did it to one and then... I think he maybe he told them that it was a fake story. Well, the thing is, that's going to destroy their credibility to the public. So they would have to fact check things. If lots of people did this and mm-hmm. tried to troll them with fake news stories, they would have to fact check things a lot better because they would be ruined if people went, you printed my story and it was false over and over again. So I think it'd be quite a good way to maintain accountability for them as a public. I think a lot of people are now trying to essentially counter the media we've had because there's a certain way the media works. Um, I believe I know all these quotes because, like I said, I'm I always have my head in somewhere in Twitter. I believe it was Denzel Washington saying that if you don't read the if you if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. But if you read the news, you're misinformed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and because of that. News is now is no longer a case of telling the truth. It's a case of who got there first. Yeah. Rather than telling the truth and actually trying to not just even trying to tell the truth, but actually trying to be neutral. Yeah. In that truth telling. Yeah. Yeah. At the minute, it is very much a, a first come, first serve sort of a portrayal of a caricature of the people within the story and it depends on what the perspective and the motives are of the journalist who yeah. set up what they wanted to portray. And with places like Twitter, it's very easy to check the history of of a, of a journalist really quickly. Yes. The vast majority of journalists are on Twitter. Yeah, it is beautiful for that. And it's it's interesting, but also with the advent of bots being out there, it's also pretty scary <laughs> in terms of... Yeah, that's a good point. Even though I know how to spot a bot myself, nine times out of ten, it's usually someone with a name and a bunch of random numbers after it. Yeah. That's pretty much how I spot a bot. Name, and then, or either that, or I go and flip into their account and... yeah. Either they've written the same thing or they've written strings of random words. Things like that. Machine learning. Yeah. Really, it's a really odd time in human history where you've got people who are setting up bots to learn how to write like human beings. 
And then, it is. Oof. It is very strange, and it goes back again in a way to like the sort of movies I watch. Uh, a lot of them very post-apocalyptic, sort of interesting futuristic films, but uh, a lot of it. I see parallels in everyday life where it's not exactly there, but it's not far from a sort of dystopian weird world we're now in. Yeah, we are, because we're, as all my friends like saying, we're in late stage capitalism. (laughs) People are are racing to the bottom and people are just trying to get things done really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Why I say late stage capitalism because there was early stage capitalism, which was, I believe, late sixties, early seventies, where they actually gave a shit about people and they actually were concerned about looking after their workers and actually give them the right amount of service and time off and things like that, and actually giving back to the community. And then we got Reaganomics, which was mid, and now we're in the late stages of that. I've heard wonderful tales of early stage capitalism from my mother, actually, from when she was uh, young around that time. Apparently things were, she tells me of what a different world it was. It sounds unrecognisably different, but uh, much better. I really do think that we kind of need to examine this whole late stage capitalism thing and see whether, I just think that, I don't know how long lockdown was on for uh, ADHD and time but you know it was a short space of time relatively for the economy to immediately implode and I think that something isn't working if we can't survive a pandemic without putting the economy before people in this system yeah I I see that entirely because it's because it's reached a point now where people are well heck we're apparently in a recession now are we oh well that's that's great apparently the worst recession ever Apparently. I feel like we should be playing 2020 bingo. You know, murder hornets, virus, recession. We've definitely got a full line here somewhere. Well, a, there's a new one. I think it's a, a zomb, zombie... Was it? Uh, zombie locusts? Because, zombie locusts. Because, because they've got some weird... Some weird... Um, fungal disease which changes their behaviors because they've consumed so much of the east of africa so that that is horrific and this is a wry laugh i should clarify it's just oh wow i saw something that was like um ah somebody is messing with the dna of dinosaurs and i think trying to replicate them Okay, so somebody's <laughs> trying to start Jurassic Park. Really? I I think it was it's something about like looking at the uh, finding the di- dinosaur DNA through birds or something DNA. There's something people are messing with there. Oh, um, it's going well. If, if if they start saying messing with frog DNA, and I was like, have you not watched Jurassic Park? <laughs> have you not watched Jurassic Park? There's enough. There's enough films out there to warn us of everything we're doing wrong, but we're still yeah. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going, has nobody watched Jurassic Park or watched any of the movies where they started messing around with DNA? And then... Splice. Splice. Oh gosh, Splice. <laughs> I liked that movie until the last until the last third when it got rapey. Yeah, I was going to say, the last rapey quarter, that was, it was a really interesting film, and then suddenly I was like, oh, we're going this way. 
All right. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. Actually. Yeah, that was. It was like this is a good movie. Then the last one was like, "Are we really gonna do this?" Yeah, that's uh Oh, well, wait. Maybe we'll have real creatures like that uh, by October, but part dinosaur, part. <laughs> What was it? Zombie, <laughs> zombie moth, zombie locust. Zombie locusts. <laughs> this year has just been one of those years on this. Like, okay, we've had murder hornets. We've had, we've had a total annihilation of the Australian outback due to due to that. Oh yeah. I, um, I, we've had fires. I completely forgot the fires. They were before lockdown. Yeah, the Australian fires. And then we had the year started with Donald Trump declaring, oh, we're starting <laughs> World War Three. We should have known from that. The movie we're in, it's like the director just sort of got bored of the series of 2020 halfway through and is, is now trying to just top one up his last plot twist every time. I'm just thinking, what on earth is going on? <laughs> I'm I'm just curious to see what happens by the by December because it'll be my birthday, it'll be Christmas. Are we gonna get some weird superhumans appearing trying to rob stores? Just it could just, happen. It could. It would be the most ridiculous shit. But I was like, okay, <sighs> are we are we actually in? X Men now. If we got superhuman beings trying to <laughs> trying to rob places on Christmas, I was like, okay, he had X Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll start calling them out. People will be owed a lot of money. There's got to be bets taken at this point. I'm going to bet on the I'm Christmas sure Santa things from Doctor Who. <laughs> robot technology is advancing, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I've seen the robot Boston robot robotics, and it is. Once you start making them look humanoid, then I'll be like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I've seen a couple that looked. You you can still tell they're robots, but they're very creepy because they're quite humanoid. You know, there's like skin masks over them, and the movement of the mouth is quite realistic in some that I've seen. It's it's just enough to be creepy. Yeah, I've seen the AI where they've tried to model after human faces. Ooh. And it's like, <laughs> it's still Uncanny Valley, but it's starting to push out of the Uncanny Valley. And... Yeah. Ooh, okay. I don't it's... know how I feel about this. Something else I've thought about is like, I don't know how long it would take us to get to the stage of what would we need, like quantum computers, you know? If a computer could uh, think for itself and actually learn for itself, therefore is that implied consciousness and the way we treat them would have to change. So, it's I believe the word is you, you're approaching the singularity, where where the con- where computers have a consciousness, and you'd have to treat them like human beings because they're no longer acting across acting upon a predisposed path. Yes, they're that is what I'm thinking of. And I don't see it happening in the next five years, but maybe ten, fifteen. Yeah, I I think it's uh, definitely more possible than I ever would have thought it was when I was young. But one thing mm. I've been thinking of is this is going to be exactly like the stuff that uh, the black community has faced, the disabled community has faced, the autistic, the trans. 
Wait, it's going to be exactly the same. We'll have to fight for their rights. As well. I mean, I will be the first on the front lines there to fight for AI rights, but you know it's going to repeat again. There'll be anti-AI people. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised at all. There'll be people that were like, well, they've moved past just being electrons and are now moving into a place where you're talking neural nets and mm. humanoid behaviours and just machine behaviours. And I would love to be there to see the day where someone for the consciousness of an AI. Because, I would love that. Because I'll be sitting there going, I was thinking about this day coming and now it's here. Holy crap. <laughs> it would be amazing if it happens within my lifetime. I'd also, I'd really be very interested in speaking to uh, AI who could think and experience things. I would love to know their perspective of everything in the world, to be honest. I think it'd be a very fascinating. And I don't think they'd like us, but let's worry about that later. <laughs> I don't know if they would like us. I think I might... think some humans, maybe, but like we are fairly illogical for the planet, so if that's a big factor, the whole logic thing, I, I, could, see, I could see wanting to overthrow our race. I have a feeling that they... <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't want to be our overlords for what I know. <laughs> I might accept a robot AI overlord over the overlords we have right now, to be honest. They, I think they do a better job. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> after we started on movies and now we're with <laughs> robot, robot overlords, I think we'll wrap up there. Um, this one's been a good one. It's been a relaxed one, so I'm really happy with it. So yeah, I've loved this. This is thank yeah. you for having me on yeah. here again. It's always, always yeah. such a pleasure. I'll, as always, we'll probably have you on again. It's awesome. It was an awesome time. Thank so, you. In that case, um, we're going to wrap things up. So, I've been Aquila Hope. I have been Ari. And until next time, keep your eyes on the prize and grasp at the root.